that is part of the choose method. It's something I've never shared. So there's another part of the framework that I teach, which is called the five market must-haves. And I'll give, I'll give you one of them now that's really powerful. Thank you. This is a world first, is it right? <laughs> it is a world first. James Schramko here from superfastbusiness.com. And you're listening to my friend Ash Hoy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Welcome to episode 158 of the Productive Insights Podcast. Today I have a very special guest who we featured previously in episode 26. When he was last with us, he talked about his method, Ask. In today's episode, he shares some exclusive information that precedes the Ask approach. There's some great content in here and some very valuable insights. He also gives us some fantastic simple but powerful actionable steps at the end of the episode so be sure to listen all the way through to the end now this episode is brought to you by the premium productivity course and if you find yourself drowning in an ever-growing to-do list which is filled with urgent but not important tasks and is stopping you from making any meaningful progress towards becoming more effective and profitable then you should definitely check out the Premium Productivity course. Head over to premiumproductivity.com and you can find out more there. And now, without further ado, let's talk to Ryan Levesque. Hello, everyone. Ryan Levesque is a CEO of the Ask Method company and author of the number one best-selling book, Ask, as featured by Inc. Magazine, as the number one marketing book of the year, and by Entrepreneur Magazine as a number two must-read book. The Ask Method company was ranked number 462 on the 2017 Inc. 500 list and named the number seven fastest growing company in Austin, Texas. Ryan is also CEO and co-founder of Bucket.io, the leading marketing funnel software entrepreneurs are using to build interactive quizzes, assessments and surveys to segment their audience into buckets and create a tailored buying experience online. So Ryan, welcome to the Productive Insights podcast. We spoke last time in episode 26 and that was around about June 2015 and you'd stepped us through the six steps of the Ask Formula in great detail, which our listeners really appreciated. If you haven't already listened to it, I strongly recommend you go back and do so. Now, the Ask methodology has gone through significant changes and evolutions since then, and I would love for our guest, Ryan, to give us a little bit of a recap on the methodology and then talk about what the learnings have been since we last spoke. Welcome, Ryan. Ash, it's awesome to be here, and I'm super excited to be having this conversation. You know, it's crazy to think how much has changed in just a few short years, you know, you reminded me of some of those changes when you brought up in our episode, we talked about the quote unquote ask formula, which is now known today as the ask method. Now, that is just one change that I think underscores some much bigger changes that have taken place since then. You know, at the highest level, if I were to describe what's changed in the last two and a half years, I'd sum it up by saying this. When you and I had that interview, the book, ask was literally just released. 
Since then, the book has sold over 100,000 copies worldwide. It's published in over a dozen different countries, different languages, in as language as exotic as Chinese. And what that has led me to be able to do is discover some of the trends from the readers and students of the Ask Method who have implemented Ask in their business, some of the challenges and pitfalls that folks have run into. And it's allowed us to look at the methodology and take it from something that was rather complex to something that is far more streamlined and efficient. There's a quote, it's one of my favorite quotes. It's that we should all seek simplicity on the far side of complexity. And we have access to a laboratory of hundreds of thousands of readers and students who are applying a methodology that uh, data and that experience allows you, it enables you to go from uh, complexity to simplicity on that far side of complexity. And so um, just as a, 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 as a very uh, tactical, tangible example of that, when we first spoke a few years ago, uh, the ASK method, the ASK formula, as it was known then, um, was uh, a six or seven step process. And now we've distilled it down to a uh, three simple phases. Nice. Discover, segment, launch. And we can talk a little bit more about that and what that means. Um, but I think it'd be great to have a conversation around perhaps what's changed, where people get stuck, and some of the most interesting discoveries that we've made along the way, having worked now with thousands and tens of thousands of students. Well, I really love what you're saying about seeking simplicity on the far side of complexity. It's a really very eloquent way to put it. It's great that you have actually gone ahead and addressed what I saw as one of the challenges to what used to be the ask formula and now is the ask method. And that was the complexity was a bit of a challenge to people implementing the process. So do talk to us about this three-step discover segment and launch process. I'm very interested to hear more about it and how it functions in a real setting. Absolutely. You know, I think it's, it's it, the old adage of, um, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't yes. have the time. That yes. phrase, I don't know who that's attributed to. Um, really, I think is um, one that tells the story of the ask method. And it goes like this, you know, so when you are in the process of developing any sort of framework, a framework that you've used that you're now looking to share with the masses, um, you start to look for how can you make this applicable to as many people as possible? And what is the 80-20 of the 80-20? I love it. So in other words, if you were to write a 400-page book, how do you distill that 400-page book down into a 20-page um, a summary? Yep. Well, it's a challenge, right? You have to decide what's going to stay, what's going to go, what are the absolute essentials? And you're just whittling it down further and further and further until you absolutely get to the absolute essentials that are critical to the process. And so if we look at the ask method today, discover, segment, launch, they're really three main phases. Discover is all about understanding the deep dive insights in your market. It's about asking open-ended questions to understand what is the true pain, frustration, the challenges that your market is facing so that you can better sell and better serve. What language are they using to describe that pain so that you can articulate what it is that you sell in your messaging in a way that resonates with people and uh, their specific challenges. 
It's also the step in the process where you identify what's called your buckets that exist in your market. In other words, what are the three to five subgroups of people who have different needs, wants, and desires that you can speak to differently when you sell online? Mm -hmm. That's discover. The next step is segment. So segment is when you build what we call a segmentation funnel. This is a funnel that you have in your business. Oftentimes, it's a quiz or an assessment or even simply a series of questions that you ask when someone lands on your website so that you can put them in one of several buckets so that you can tailor the messaging that you put in front of someone and the products that you sell. Mm -hmm. Launch is where you take that segmentation funnel and you launch it into the world. Focus on optimizing it and scaling it to the next level. So at the end of the day, that's all we're talking about here. Running a discover process, a segment process, and a process by which you launch. And that's what the ask method is today. Now, what's interesting about this process, so we're talking about some of the findings that we picked up that I learned along the way. Mm-hmm. This kind of underscores where we are going next. Um, we discovered that there's a, a large... There are a large number of entrepreneurs that were attracted to the ask method because the ask method in a nutshell at its core is uh, finding out what it is that people want before Mm -hmm. they even know what they want themselves, better sell and better serve. And um, what we discovered is that before you can ask, you need to choose. Right. What do I mean by that exactly? Well, in the book, I tell the story of how I used the ask method to successfully enter 23 different markets, mm-hmm. generate well over $100 million in revenue, and basically achieve all of my personal success in business. Mm-hmm. But what I did not tell in the book, the part of the story that I did not share was how I chose those 23 markets in the first place. Right. And see, the single most important decision that you need to make in business is choosing what market to enter and what business to start. I couldn't agree more with the choosing the right market because that determines a whole bunch of things, not just the product that you choose to launch or the solution you're offering to the market, but your pricing, your positioning, everything. Absolutely. And so there's an analogy that I use with my students that I think is really helpful. You know, So it's sort of like if you think about choosing your market, that decision, being like the equivalent of choosing to put a boat in a river to get to the destination you want to go to. Right. You could have the most amazing boat. You could have state-of-the-art technology. You could have the most amazing crew paddling in that boat. Mm -hmm. But if this boat is put in a river facing the wrong direction, (laughs) you're not going to get to your destination. Right. Or worse yet, If that boat is put in a river with no water in it, you're not going to move anywhere. And so I found that there were a number of students who are in this situation who were attracted to the ask method. So the ask method gives you arguably the most powerful boat, right? Mm -hmm. That will take you to your destination. But the challenge that people ran into is that the boat was put in a river with no water in it. Mm-hmm. They were using the ask method in markets that were destined to fail before they even began. Right. And I realized it's because I didn't teach people how to evaluate different market opportunities to decide what market to go into. In other words, I was putting people in algebra 
before they had gone through pre-algebra. Right. And so that's one of the projects that I'm most excited about this year is uh, teaching the model that I use to choose markets. The exact methodology that I use to choose the 23 markets that I entered successfully, um, a method called choose. Um, and it's a very quantitative, very step-by-step method. It's about evaluating your market, your model, and what I call your mob. And what that means is identifying market is all about deciding who it is you are going to sell to. Right. Uh, model is what it is you're going to sell. And mob is where these people are located online. Where do you find these people? And there's an entire framework around that that I've never shared publicly before that's been equally important or equally uh, critical to my success mm-hmm. in generating $100 million in revenue that I've generated online. But it's something up until this point I've never shared. And that's one of the things I'm most excited about in 2018 is that we will be starting to teach this model for anybody who's ever wondered what market should you go into, how to evaluate the market you uh, have decided to go into, how to compare different markets if you can't decide, how to decide what model to pursue based on the market you want to go into. So in other words, what, is it, what it is that you're going to sell, how to evaluate your competition, and look for something that I call the competitive sweet spot, where you want to have not too much competition, not too little, but right in that zone of specificity. Um, when you look at your market, how to look at the optimal market size, market that has enough traffic, but not too much and not too little. And so that's one of the biggest learnings that I have is that people were attracted to the book Ask who weren't quite ready for it, which is why we're introducing Choose. Well, this sounds very interesting, Ryan. I have studied a few different frameworks when I did my MBA around evaluating markets like, you know, Porter's Five Forces or, you know, the BCG matrix. And unfortunately for me, I found those models were a little bit too qualitative. I mean, they still have value, but I really like the idea about the quantitative aspect of this market evaluation process. Now, there would be a certain proportion of people who are already in a market that maybe isn't working for them. Would this choose methodology be relevant to them where they can evaluate whether they're in the right market or not? Absolutely. And, and, and here's you know, one of the reasons why I was so inspired to begin teaching this is because I had people who came to me and they said, Ryan, I don't get it. I'm putting the work in. Mm-hmm. I'm burning the midnight oil. I'm following all the steps, not only in what you teach, Ryan, but in what all my other mentors are teaching as well. Mm-hmm. I'm putting in all this work and yet I'm not getting the results. And so I think one of the things we wonder as entrepreneurs is, is it me? Do I not have what it takes? What's wrong with me? How come everybody else is having success? Sometimes it feels that way. Hmm. And this is not working for me. What the hell is going on here? Right. And oftentimes what's going on is you've got the boat, you're paddling as hard as you can, Mm -hmm. but when you look down, there's no water in the river. But the weird thing is, is that we can't see this. It's Hmm. difficult to know if the market you're in is flawed unless you have a framework to evaluate it against. So for example, I'll give you a, 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 an element of this of the framework that I teach that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I discovered in going into the 23 different markets that I successfully went into is there's something I call the market sweet spot. So if you actually look at Google Trends mm-hmm. and the size of a market on Google, 
I found that all the markets that I was most successful in fall within a very specific band, like a super narrow band. And the markets that I failed in were markets that were either way outside, uh, way above this band in terms of the size of the market or way below. So now it's like I have this Rosetta Stone, right? It's like I have, I know the markets exactly how much money I've made in each of these markets. I know the business size that I was able to grow to in each of these markets. And now it's just a matter of taking your market idea and evaluating it against this market sweet spot. So it's extremely quantitative. It's clear. It's black and white. And I found that the same thing has applied with my most successful students. I actually, out of curiosity, started Uh, searching for the topics and the keywords of the markets that my most successful students have had success in. And interestingly enough, Ash, they all fell within this sweet spot as well. Right. So it became incredibly fascinating. So it's easy now to be able to look at your market, your market idea, and compare it against this Rosetta Stone. You can see, are you way outside or are you right in the sweet spot? And if you're way outside, number one, that tells you that... Um, that your market is one that you need to reconsider. Sometimes it means niching up, which means going bigger if your market is too small. Sometimes it means niching down. And I have a framework that I teach for how to decide how to niche down or how to niche up based on where you are. Right. And is that in the choose method? That is part of the choose method. It's something I've never shared before because when I taught ask, I'd assumed I made this just false assumption that uh, uh, people were walking into the process having uh, selected um, a market that is worth pursuing. So there's another part of the framework that I teach, which is called the five market must-haves. And I'll give, I'll give you one of them now that's really powerful. Thank you. This is a world first, is it right? <laughs> it is a world first. Okay, um, cool. So one of the things that I'm always looking for is I'm looking to solve an urgent problem in the context of an enthusiast market. What does that mean exactly? Well, number one, you, you want to look for an enthusiast market. And that means a market where people will be repeat buyers for months and months and months, if not years and years. So are these early adopters, Ryan? No, I'll, I'll explain what I mean by enthusiast, enthusiast market. So an enthusiast market example would be dog owners. Mm-hmm. So dog owners are a great example of an enthusiast market because you buy a dog, And you have your dog for years and years. And most people who have their dogs, they love their dogs, right? They can't stop talking about their dogs. Uh, They don't only only buy dog food and dog leashes and dog collars, but they buy doggy Christmas ornaments and doggy welcome mats. Right. And they buy doggy treats and doggy shirts. And they buy little mugs with pictures of their dog on it. People can't get enough of their dogs. That's a great example of an enthusiast market. People buy stuff in that market for years and years and years. Mm. Now contrast that with a problem solution market. A problem solution market is a market like mold removal. Right. If you have mold in your home, you want to solve that problem and never think about it for the rest of your life. It's very transactional. It's a transactional market. Exactly. Mm. Now what you're looking for is solving an urgent problem in the context of an enthusiast market. So if we take our dog owner example, an urgent problem would be the fact that the dog is peeing on the carpet. That's a problem that you want to solve right away, right? right. It's an urgent problem. It, you, the reason why this is so critical, Ash, is you need an in. Hmm. You can't just sell them another doggy mug. 
because there's a million of them out there and it's not an urgent problem. You need to solve an urgent problem. And I'll tell you how you define an urgent problem. I'm going to teach you this framework right now. Okay. And it's something that I teach in this choose model. It goes like this. Ask yourself, what is a thousand dollar problem that you could solve in the market? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the first part of the equation. So we ask ourselves, okay, peeing on the rug, it's a thousand dollar problem. It's annoying. thousand dollars here is a subjective. I'm not talking about the value of the carpet. I'm talking about, you're not looking to solve a $5 problem, right? right? right. You're looking to solve a thousand dollar problem. It's a subjective, but it's a conceptual framework. It's significantly painful to the audience. Significantly painful. Now here's the second part of the framework. Ask yourself, what is something happening right now in someone's life that makes that thousand dollar problem a $10,000 problem? That's what you're looking for. I'll give you an example. So imagine someone in the dog market whose dog is peeing on the rug. That's a $1,000 problem. Mm -hmm. Now imagine that person whose dog won't stop peeing on the rug is a man who is about to propose to his future wife <laughs> and he's meeting her parents for the first time who are coming over for dinner this week. We've just upped the ante. That is now a $10,000 problem. We cannot have Mr. Pee-pee on the rug doggy ruining that night because he has to ask his future father-in-law for his fiance's hand or future fiance's hand in marriage. Right. It's one of the most important nights of this young man's life. Yep. And he has this dog that is ruining everything, <laughs> peeing on the rug. That is a $10,000 problem. That is a problem when someone goes online and says, how to stop your dog from peeing in the rug in the next... 24 hours will pay any amount of money hmm. to solve that thing. There's an immediacy to the pain. There's an immediacy to the pain. And, what's, and, and why we want to be in an enthusiast market is because when you can solve that $10,000 problem, you immediately become the hero yep. to that person for life. The trusted advisor. The trusted advisor, exactly. And so the next time this gentleman has a problem with his dog or wants a recommendation for, hey, I know you helped me solve my doggy pee-pee problem. And I know this is a random question, but do you know anything about like doggy insurance? Like hmm. any places that might go for that? Right. Absolutely. Let me tell you more. You become the trusted advisor in this enthusiast space and you can sell to that individual for years and years and years. So that's an example of one of what I call the market must-haves. And there are five of them that I look for in every single market before I go into them. And I know we don't have time to cover all of them, sure. but hopefully that gives you a flavor for why these market must-haves are so important. I love it. And you know what? When you do finally release this Choose book, which I believe is coming out in early 2018, I'd love to have you back and we can talk about it in more detail. Totally. I would love to do that. It's most likely late 2018. I don't want, every, I don't want all your listeners banging <laughs> down your door saying, Ash, it's early 2018. Come on, man. Um, but around mid-2018 or sure, so, sure. I think um, uh, it'd be a great time to get back on. And uh, of course, we'll do something super special for your audience. Thank you. To, That's uh, very kind of you. Get a copy of the book um, you know, before it releases. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. In terms of the... Uh, you, you talked a little bit earlier on about looking at Google Trends to size your market up and get some feel for which market was your sweet spot and everything else kind of fell out of it. 
Can you talk through what exactly you did on Google Trends to find this information and how our listeners can do something similar for themselves? Absolutely. So what I'm doing is I took a historical look at all the markets that I went into, went to Google or trends.google.com mm -hmm. and started typing in the keywords that I'm focusing on for each of those markets. And there are certain things that I'm looking for. So one is size, of course, the size of the market. And I'm comparing it against historically how other markets I've gone into uh, have performed. Mm -hmm. um, but another element is also the trajectory of the market. So I'll give you an example. So one of the things that you can get from Google Trends is it's going to tell you if your market is trending up or trending down. And ideally, what you're looking for is a steadily trending up market or a flat market. You're, you, what you want to avoid are markets that are trending down, which means the search volume over time is getting less and less and less. Beautiful. Yep. Another thing that you want to watch out for, which you can get from Google Trends, is to avoid fad markets. Mm -hmm. So there's so many markets out there. A perfect one to look at is fidget spinners. If you do the Google Trends data for fidget spinners, you type it in, what you're going to see is a giant uh, spike up that goes down to zero. And I think so many people capitalize on these trends and they're, they think they're riding a wave up, but in reality, they're setting themselves up for uh, massive failure. Mm. I learned this mistake the hard way. I went into a market years ago. It was one of my first markets that I went into where I taught people how to make Scrabble tile jewelry. And on a smaller scale, Scrabble tile jewelry, so jewelry made with Scrabble tiles and origami paper mm -hmm. was a fad mm -hmm. among uh, DIY crafters and stay-at-home moms. Yes. And it was this market that was just this mini bubble and I learned the hard way when you build a business around that, it can go up, 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 and it can crash to zero yep. overnight. And you know, and so one of the ones, sorry, sorry I, I say one of the ones that I'm seeing now that everybody's jumping onto. Um, but I predict, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I predict we are going to see it happen is around Bitcoin. <laughs> I was just thinking that. That is the one where everybody has seen this massive fad. It's the fidget. It's the finit, fidget spinner of 2017. Everybody's jumping on it. Everyone's talking about it. You can see the curve. If you do the Google Trends data for Bitcoin, you should do it. You can see how it just jumps up massively. And then, you know, at some point, it's, it's a tra trajectory that is not sustainable forever. And so I see all these people pouring into the space that's incredibly competitive and um, is at risk of being a bubble. It has all the signs when you look at the Google Trend data and compare it against past bubbles that have happened over the last few years. And you know, something else I really like about what you've just pointed out in terms of this tra trajectory is it actually ties back to your point about finding an enthusiast market. And the way I interpret the words enthusiast market is a market that is in it for the long term, a market that is not just looking for a fad or a trend. And so if you solve an urgent problem for that enthusiastic person or that, that person who's in it for the long haul, you're likely to be able to make multiple and complementary offers to that same person and increase the number of transactions with that same customer, thereby increasing your profitability. Absolutely. No, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head. You know, so market is the first part of the equation. The second part of the equation is model. Um, model is all about choosing what business model you want to go into. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that there are uh, about five major business models that you can choose from. 
And the one that I advocate people go into is selling information or expertise. Now, when you talk about selling information or expertise, this can take the form of everything from a product-based approach, which is selling something like digital information products, to a client-based approach, which is uh, selling coaching or consulting. Mm -hmm. And there are variations of that in between. And when you're deciding what model to go into for your market, um, you need to look at um, what the competitors are selling in your space. And so just like with market, where we look at there is a sweet spot you want to be going into, a market that's not too big, not too small, but falls within that sweet spot, mm -hmm. there's a competitive sweet spot as well. There's a phrase that one of my mentors taught me, and it's a big mistake that people make, and it's always stuck with me. He said, you know, Ryan, pioneers get shot, but settlers get rich. Right. And what that means is you don't want to be the first to do something yes. in your space. And Apple is good at that. Yes, yes. You want to find someone who has proven the market that there is demand for the thing that it is that you're thinking about selling. And you want to find what is the soft underbelly of the market. Mm -hmm. In other words, I'm always looking, just like I'm looking for an urgent problem to solve in the context of an enthusiast market. Yeah. When it comes to choosing your model, what I'm looking for is competition that's succeeding in spite of itself. Right. So I'm looking for competitors that are that have demonstrated success, they're making money, and yet they're doing two or three things wrong that are relatively easy for me to do. I love this. And so what ends up happening is you have this perfect storm. You've got the, you're in the market sweet spot, the perfect market to go into. You've identified that there's a soft underbelly of that market. In other words, the competition that's succeeding in that market are succeeding in spite of themselves. And that's where the model decision comes into play. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least is your mom. And I use the word mob because mob means a mass of people all gathering together. And we all, we all know what it feels like for there to be a mob. Yeah. And it's a big mistake that people make when they go into markets or businesses, they choose a, a business where there just simply isn't a mob of people gathering online anywhere. And so what this means is I'm looking for communities. Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, places that are active, where there's a mob of people all together, all in one place. Mm -hmm. And once you've identified these three things, your market, your model, your mob, then you're ready to ask. And that's where we switch gears from choose to ask. I love it. Once you've identified these three things, now it's about figuring out what questions do you ask People in this market, in this mob, for the model that it is that you think you are going to use for your business, what questions do you ask those people to identify what is their single biggest challenge, frustration, or obstacle, which will inform what it is you're going to create, what it is you're going to sell, and what it is you're going to say. Ryan, this is really impressive. It's almost poetic. I love how you have explained it so beautifully as it lends itself and almost flows into the ask method. I know we're nearly out of time. So would you like to tell our listeners how they can go about taking action steps to implement this into their business? And if there's any software you recommend, any, any books you recommend they should read besides the ask method, which we've already talked about previously, but you're welcome to talk about it again. For sure. 
So I think the best first step, and I know our conversation took a little bit of a side turn. We were intending on talking about ask. Yes. Instead, we spent most of our time talking about choose. Um, and so when I think about the next steps, not for ask, but for choose, the first step is to begin an ideation process, to ideate, to think about all the possible markets that you might want to go into. And there are a few um, exercises that I teach help with this ideation process. Uh, so the first thing is this. Ask yourself, is there any specific cause, any specific belief, any specific thing that you would, what I say, what I describe as quote unquote, uh, die on a hill to defend? Wow. Okay. So is there anything you believe in so strongly that you would die on a hill to defend? Mm -hmm. So that's one exercise to go through. And some people that's going to stand out to you right away and you're going to say, this is my thing. Right. I'm so passionate about this one thing. Mm -hmm. For other people, that might not be uh, true. So the next exercise to go through is what is something you would be excited about spending the next three years of your life learning about? Mm -hmm. So maybe there's a subject that you've always wanted to go deeper around. I've always learned that the best way to learn anything is to teach it. Yep. And so what's a subject that you are just absolutely fascinated with that you would just love to learn more? Because one of the secrets that my, one of my mentors taught me, he said, Ryan, to the fourth grader, the fifth grader is a genius. Right, yes. That means all you need to do is stay one step ahead of your customers and you can continue going down that learning journey. I have a few other ideas, idea starters, but I'll leave you with those two. What is the hill you would die defending? And what is something that you would be excited about learning or studying for the next three years? That's awesome, Ryan. Thank you so much for sharing all this information with our listeners and for being so generous as always. How can listeners find out more about you? And is there anything else you would like to say? No, you know, I'll, I'll say this. So the best way to find out more about what we're up to, what I'm doing, and uh, to kind of get on the pre-notification pre list yep. around when Choose is coming out would simply be, go, would be to simply go to askmethod.com. Mm -hmm. We actually don't have anything formally set up at the moment. This is kind of um, a bit of a worldwide sneak peek, if you will. So I don't even have a place right now uh, to, to send you. In fact... Um, if you go to askmethod.com, I do believe we actually have this set up. If you go to askmethod.com forward slash choose, mm -hmm. askmethod.com forward slash choose, it's not a fancy schmancy page, but that will get you on the list to be notified the next time when this ask, uh, when this choose training is made available. Uh, so that's the first thing. The last thing that I'll leave um, everyone here uh, with who's listening is sort of something that's become my personal mantra. And it's something that I share with every single one of my students. You know, I think in business, especially when it comes to choosing your market, getting started, launching your business, um, there's this sense that we have to get things perfect, that there's this analysis paralysis that kicks in. Yeah. I've got to start the perfect business. I got to choose the perfect market. I got to do this exactly the right way. Um, especially those of us who did well in school. We're taught that failure is the enemy. And one of the things that I've learned working now with tens of thousands of students, having served hundreds of thousands of readers of the book Ask, when I look at those who are successful and those who were not successful, 
there's a, a piece of advice I want to leave you with that I leave with all my students. I leave all my students and that's this. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get it perfect. You just have to get it going. Yep. The best time to get it going is right now, today. Beautiful. Wow. Thank you, Ryan. And as you told me about that sign-up thing, I have already gone and signed up. I've put my name on that list to askmethod.com forward slash choose because I was... I've done my job. I've sufficiently, I've gotten you sufficiently excited about this, totally unintentionally. I know we took a right turn in this interview, but um, I'm super excited and I'm glad you're super excited as well. Ash, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me back. Um, I look forward to hopefully having the opportunity to share more as we get closer and um, wish you all the best, my man. I look forward to having you on. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 